Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradium. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Redefining Success. And today, I can already tell, we're going to have a good, good time. So sit back, relax, get comfortable. This is going to be a great visit with Nate Lapgard. He is the CEO and co-founder of the Kite and Dark Group. Um, here's, he, Nate, you had, I told you this before we got on, you had me at entrepreneurial activism and transforming the world through business. When I read that on your website and everything else, I was like, we've got to have this guy on and we've got to tell the story. Um, so, Nate, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Eric, and uh, thanks for what you do and, and the stand you are for people to define their own success. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. Glad to be here. Well, we're excited. Before we get into things, my favorite question always, my first question is, pretend it's a good, be bright, beautiful Saturday afternoon. I've got the grill fired up. We've got the hot dogs and burgers and everything on. We're all just hanging out and hang here are my friends. My audience are my friends. Would you please introduce yourself to my friends? Sure. My name's Nate. <clears throat> and about eight years ago, circumstance put me in a a position to start a, a coaching and consulting business. So I just went with it. Mm. And, uh, and here we are like eight years later and uh, we're still going strong and have a bunch of adopted kids. And I've just learned so much, so much from the people that have been generous enough to work with me. It's like, and it's beyond my, it's like this business thing, man, it turned out to be so much cooler than I thought business was. Mm. Yeah, mm. that, that's what I would say. I've learned so much. Well, so take us back eight years ago. Sounds like something happened. Tell, take us back eight years ago. What's Oh, you're going to like this. So it's like eight or nine years ago. Um, I'm working in the cannabis industry because I thought that would be a gold mine. I got a mohawk that's about, uh, you know, a foot tall and people, you know, I was on MTV, uh, jobs that don't suck. So people Google me, they can see that, you know, and uh, I had a, you know, the cannabis industry was just a mess, highly regulated in Colorado, and they change the laws every two seconds and it changed everything about our business. And we finally got to a point in our relationship with, with the industry that the, the boss and I were like, we didn't have any more fires to really put out. And, mm. and what, I, what I came to understand was like, he, it was his business. It wasn't my business. And the way that he wanted it to go was the way it needed to go. And if I didn't feel like that was the way it needed to go, then I needed to either respect his opinion or get out. So I left. 
mm. he's a great guy you know sean like put me on to he registered me in landmark and just was like incredibly generous and it was like a really good thing so i was just like doing some consulting work and driving an uber and then my wife's like she goes we're gonna we're gonna be business coaches <laughs> and i said what are you what the hell are you talking about she's like she, my wife is like the best entrepreneur there is um she owns a real estate company here in colorado and uh, her coaches had started, they started selling intellectual property and we had just sold a house. So, you know, we bought some IP and I became a business coach and that was it. Shave off the Mohawk, put on a, a shirt and tie and, and uh, blindly stumble into the world of at that time, business coaching. Sure. So that's how it started, man. That's what happened. My wife said, and I said something, I said, okay, here we are. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh. Oh, so hold on. So how do we get from Mohawk to transform the world through business? I feel like I'm missing oh, this part is, of the journey. A, hey, hey, man, you're good at this interviewing thing. You know, like, <laughs> that's a great question. So here's what's up. So I had done, so I'm a person in recovery. Yep. So I've been sober now for about, oh, over 15 years. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a lucky man, man. And, you know, 12 step programs work I can tell you that. So, um, so having had that experience of, you know, like having myself be one way and then doing some stuff and coming out the other end different, I, I, my life, like I owe my life to that transformation is possible. Yeah. And, uh, my old boss, Sean Gindy, you know, I did a lot of work at Landmark uh, which is a personal transformation program. And, you know, I often say that like, uh, you know, like um, 12 step work gave me my life back. And then um, that landmark work taught me what to do with it. Mm. Mm. And so I had an interest in transformation and in coaching and like transform transformation uh, to begin with. And so, you know, when, when business you know, when the business coaching opportunity came, I just applied what I, you know, just what we do, right. As entrepreneurs is we just use what we know yeah. already and try to make it work. So that's all that happened is I had a background in transformational work and personal transformation and a big interest in that. And so those principles kind of, they kind of formed the context for how I started to look at entrepreneurship more from the level of an entrepreneur's relationship to the business and how that impacts the choices we make yep. and the interpretation of the results. So I just started because I didn't know shit about business. So I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't know anything about business. So I had to work with what I had, which was right. transformation. And I didn't know a lot about business. I had had a production company before and, and, it, and it ran a music career. And I had a product demonstration business in the natural foods industry. So I, I knew about entrepreneurship. But what I really loved was, was working with people to you know, help them transform their lives. Yeah, so that's how it started. What is um, what's the number one thing you find holds people back from embracing an entrepreneur journey? Oh, internalized white supremacy. <laughs> to tell me more. Yeah. So I mean, you just hit all you hit like three trigger words all at once. You can't just let that oh, yeah. sit there. So no, man, it's cool. Like, um, so now that half the uh, listeners just shut off and all the rest of us are still here. <laughs> right. What I mean by that is that our culture is pushing a narrative about entrepreneurship that is not coming from entrepreneurs. Mm. It's coming from folks that 
for the most part, folks that um, have successful businesses based primarily on the position in life that they were born into, mm. or folks that somehow like got out of the, you know, the, they kind of broke through and, 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 you know, for whatever reason, um, and, you know, a, a, a economic system that thrives when people spend money on businesses. So for me, it's like, what I found is like what we're taught about business before we're in business. And I work with non-traditional entrepreneurs. So I work with people who like have, have been historically excluded from entrepreneurship, who don't come from business backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And all we have is like what basically corporations have taught us about how businesses run. Mm -hmm. And that stuff is not relevant at all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think we're up against is the shoulds, Eric. You know, yeah. I should have a website. I should be able to do this. I should do that. And I just tell people like you're perfect, whole and complete the way you are. You don't need to change anything about yourself to have a successful business. You just got to build a business that lets you shine. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. That's powerful. I think that, um, you know, it keeps coming up for me inside of the space when I think about this and you, you, you may disagree about this a little bit, but is I feel like what has happened in the last 10 to 15 years is we lost a lot of the definition of business from a standpoint of we started emphasizing profit over people. And maybe it's longer than that, right? I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it longer than that and have missed the entire idea that profit and people are both possible. A hundred percent. And, you know, like I'm going to look at capitalism and business from a more left-leaning perspective. Sure. So, Sure. I'm going to, you know, but, but it's, and there's nuance there between me and you, but a hundred percent, Eric, like if you look at the numbers, <clears throat> it started in the early eighties under Reagan, where we started to see um, growth of, you know, like up until that point, lower middle-class incomes were growing yep. and upper-class incomes were staying the same. And, and since then it's completely flipped where the rich are getting richer and middle-class is struggling and the poor are getting poorer. And under that type of pressure, you know, that's what happens. Also think like in order to pull that off, you know, we really have to start driving a different, like a narrative of, of that people don't make it because it's entirely their fault or something, right? Like to, to get, you know, we got to have this like idea that people succeed solely on merit in order to justify people not succeeding. Mm. So, and I see that also see like, um, like, we've we've gotten really good as a culture of like generalizing and and blaming the victim and yep. not standing together in solidarity you know not not understanding like oh yeah like this is how it's always been you know like we have to be together down here in the in the lower levels and we have to have we have to be together if we're going to have any any power or any say and i think yep. they've got really good at like keeping us separate that that yeah. i totally would agree with I mean, the yeah, ability you know, to have a conversation and healthily disagree about something, but be willing to hear someone else's story to understand why they think and believe the way they do is like, it's so lost on everyone right now. Yeah. And I mean, for me, like there's a minimum level of like acceptance. Like sure. I, there's certain people that I'm not, that I'm not going to engage in those types of conversation with, because I know that I like, you know, most of the time I'll, t I'll tell them like, I, I like you too much to have this conversation. Mm. Right. No, I'm not. I know that there's like we're not going to find common ground in that area, and it's a waste of time. Sure. And and though there's a dehumanization that happens, where you know we're not we're not 
by not understanding like that, you know, we are the way we think we, we think the way we think we are the way we are a lot because of the environment we grow up in. Sure. And, you know, and like, if we don't have at least some degree of empathy, and I don't think that empathy means co-signing on some of the stuff we're seeing, sure. but, but by not having empathy, we don't understand that it's like the same system that's pushing us all down. Yeah. Right. Right. That's trying to keep us where we're at. And I yeah. get it. I mean, like, look, competition capitalism does not encourage competition we know that like right like that's part of the system so this idea that like the marketplace is this open and free environment and that like starting a business should be easy and it's really quick and like if you're not making a lot of money it's your fault like all that's what i'm talking about really yeah like an unrealistic expectation and yeah man like the 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 kind of like overhanded like I would say like the um, the misuse of technology and access now, okay. right? Like all the freaking cold calling and the LinkedIn cold messages and like all that stuff too. It's just like, you know, so I'm with you. Long answer short, short answer long. Yes, sir. I agree. What have you, I mean, because again, let's go back to this transforming the world through business, right? So what are mm -hmm. you finding are being the keys to you know, the name of the show is redefining success. But if you're a person uh, who is raised in a place or a mindset where you're being held back, right? Okay. And right. so you're in that place. What are the things that you're having to overcome? Or what are the things that you're doing that are unlocking a different possibility that are showing them that they really can transform the world through business? Because the number one thing that holds all of us back is a mindset. That, that's it. You and I are talking about the same thing, right? Like we're, and that's what I, that's how I think this is supposed to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're calling it different things and the way that you and I work is different. And, and that makes our businesses accessible to different people. And you get to reach people that I can, I get to reach people that you can't. And I mean, and that's what it is to be like on a team. So you say mindset, I'll call it like context or identity. Okay. And, and really, I think what it is, is first of all, like all businesses start through emulation, right? So when we all start our businesses, we have an idea in our head that we know, or we think we know what X business is supposed to look like. And here are the things we're supposed to do. Yeah. No, no, and, and I don't have to, you know, Eric, you and I have been in business for a while. Like, look, for all of you that are out there, whether you've been in this a while or not, like there's only, this is the only time your business has ever existed and you're the only person who's ever run it. And there's no way you can look at a business and see all the variables and factors that contribute to a business success or failure. It's not knowable. But so we all enter into this entrepreneurial conversation for the most part from a position of like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, like we yeah. think we know what works, but that, I'm thankful for that because I never would have started my business otherwise. So, so eventually though, that, right, that runs out. Because we get to, an, you know, if we're lucky enough that we can live through like the, the, the proof of concept phase of entrepreneurship, we start to notice that the things that we have been conditioned or trained to do or hell, even the things that worked in the beginning, yep. they're not working anymore. Yep. And the key is, and I call this a transition from like survival in business to performance in business. And what it comes from is adopting a new, or you would call a mindset, I would say a context from from a deep level of how do we go about making decisions in the business? And what we say is inside out, not outside in. Mm. So when I work with entrepreneurs, our work, what works for them is we take a look at what a human being is passionate about, mm. what they're confident in doing, yep. what they have experience doing, 
And we take a look at like the change they want to make in the world with their business. And we get them to start taking actions consistent with that. Like, like basically instead of them giving themselves a job and having to like conform to the job, yep. we begin to get people to start to act like CEOs. And for those of us that don't come from that background or that, yeah. that that's not what got us to entrepreneurship. What got us to entrepreneurship was like, you know, being good at stuff we're not good at. <laughs> Right. And that's good in the beginning of a business because you got to do everything. But man, what when I, where I work with strategy and scaling with entrepreneurs is to get them to understand that like the purpose of this business is is to is a is is a vehicle for you to make a contribution in the world. Mm. And you can and to make the maximum contribution, you've got to stop trying to be good at web design when you suck at that. Yeah. 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 You you've got to stop like if you suck at I always tell people, like, if you suck at that, don't do that. You know, like, you don't, what do you need a website for? Like, nobody, what do you, nobody ever goes there anyway. <laughs> right? You're good at talking to people. Go talk to more people. You know, oh, that's and good. I mean, that's it. Yeah. And then if you feel like you really need it, man, you're going to hire somebody. But, like, you know, we don't need that. We don't need any more than who we are. Like, we're all good enough right now. We just have to build a business that works for us, not the other way around. And that is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, I, so my wife and I have a real passion around poverty. So areas, okay, we live in the cool. New Orleans area. So we, there's a, we see a lot of poverty, right? So we have a real passion around mm -hmm. the area of poverty, but also coming in and going, I don't know the answer of how to solve this, right? So being open to be in the place of, I'm here to listen. I want to know more so that we can engage solutions that work for everyone, not coming in with ideas. But here is the one thing I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, because I imagine you've seen this. Here's the number one thing that I found is the difference, is hope. When I get to the place that I have no hope that it can be different, it's tough to undo anything. And if I can 100%. give someone hope, then all possibilities are on the table. Yeah, 100%. And I think one of the things that we could do a much better job of as a culture is understanding that like not everybody has equal access to opportunity or possibility. Sure. Right. Um, and you know, by design. So when I, yeah, I mean, and it's like, I don't love what you're saying, Eric, which is like, I'm not, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I'm a cishead white dude and I've been through a bunch of like rough stuff, but like, when you look at me, you don't see that. Yeah. Like when I'm going to close the deal, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, people can make up whatever they make up about white dudes. And, and honestly, we, you and I both know, like, that's advantageous to us in the fields where, sure. right? But people are predispositioned in this culture to think that you and I know what the heck we're talking about. Right. Um, you know, so, so, you know, and, and it's, that's like part of it for me too in business is like, as a consultant, like, I'm not there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in your business for like, you know, on a good client, like four hours a month, maybe six hours a month. So I, I have to be humble to that. Also, I don't understand exactly how businesses work. Not just because I don't know everything doesn't mean I don't know anything, but yeah. I got to get humble to that. Mm. And, and luckily for me, I've, I approached it from the position of curiosity. Like, I wonder what makes business work. What can I learn from these clients? And I think it's the same thing, you know, like obviously, um, we, we would, none of us have started entrepreneurship with rare exceptions. Sometimes people start in entrepreneurship that are not cishet white dudes because it's dangerous for them to go to work. They're going to get sexually harassed. They're going to get racially harassed. Like it's not safe. And then a lot of those people like 
creating a business is a self-defense mechanism. But for people like you and I, or, and most of the entrepreneurs I think that I have the, the privilege to work with, the conversation is about something different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about, it's about really wanting to, 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 to have a business, to have agency, to have the freedom, to have the choice of who we're around and, and really a curiosity about like, hey, can I do this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and right. I think that that's kind of the, that's what I see as the soup of it. And that's random and probably not anything to do with what you asked me, but hopefully it, it plays well. No, no, no. It definitely does play. <laughs> it does play. I think what I would, you know, what, when you sit down, tell me kind of who's your ideal client? Like what is the person who comes to you? This is going to help me kind of shape the question. I don't want to ask a question based on an assumption. Tell me who the ideal person who comes to kite dark group, what is, what's brought them there or how have you found them? So, so we have products and services to meet, you know, any non-traditional entrepreneur, wherever they're at. But I'll talk about my segment of the business. And I like to work with in strategy and scaling. So for me, my ideal client is going to be someone who's in, consulting professional services in the B2B realm. And I like that because I like to work with people that work with people because it amplifies the impact. Yeah. Right. Number two, they're going to be left leaning straight up. Yeah. Right. They're going to be more like, and I don't mean it like so much from a political ideology, but I'm going to work best with people who think that the solution to the problems of the present is innovation, not repeating the same actions that we took in the past to produce the common results. That's all. Yeah. Um, However they identify, but those are the people I work with. And then, you know, they're going to be in business for a year or two and they're going to have like, you know, they're going to do about a hundred K in revenue a year and they are, their back is against the wall, man. Mm. They're busy. Yeah. They're busy and it's working and the experience they're having is inconsistent with what they want it to be like. Those are my people. Mm-hmm. So they're, what's, the they're biggest, doing- what's the biggest inconsistency most of the time that they find or that you recognize in them? Lack of agency, lack of freedom to choose, like busy, 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 busy. Mm. And is that is that perceived or real? Yeah, good question. I mean, a perception is reality. So for them, yeah. it's real. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and it comes from, you know, like, I just like people that are in that transition space where there's like an inkling and like a, like a little itch in the back of their brain, like, Hey, probably there's another way to do this. Yes. Right. And then, and we're caught in between like what got us here and that transformation that's required to get us to the next, in the next season of business. I like to think about businesses like in seasons, you know, absolutely. And in the the beginning season, there's a way to be. And then, and then in all these other seasons, there's different ways to be. And that's when I I love those conversations. And I like working with people that are kicking butt. Yeah. You know, that like are doing a dang thing and sticking to their guns. You know, that's what I like too. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just like people, but I like, that's where I'm most effective though. I'm the most effective with people like, Clients are going to get the most out of me yep. if that's the position they're in. So what I've found for most successful entrepreneurs and business owners is what they're really, really good at or what they enjoy the most comes from an experience where they messed it up or they mm. got stuck themselves and figured out how to get unstuck. So Nate, inside of this part of the story, that had to have happened for you where you got Dude, passionate I, about this. So where, where did this unlock oh, for you so you could coach it is, on it? It's such a good question. So like, um, 
you know, I grew up in a, in a, a household where my father was an active alcoholic. Mm. Um, and I, I love my father and I feel like he did the best he could and he did a rotten job. Yeah. Yep. Then I love my mother and she did the best she could and she did a rotten job. Um, and I grew up in an environment where nothing was good enough and I wasn't safe. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then when I became 18 years old, I, you know, I too had the disease of alcoholism. So I started drinking. So my childhood was like, you know, nothing's good enough and I'm not safe no matter what I do. And then, and then I, I find a solution to all this angst. And then that just like drags me down. Um, you know, man, like the summer before my senior year of high school, I had 31 on my ACT scores and, uh, um, just like a 99th percentile. I also had a 4.0 GPA and I didn't graduate from high school on time because I discovered getting loaded that summer. And I mean, I was like, this is what I'm looking for. Like I need some kind of relief. So, yeah. and then, you know, for 15 years, I would build it up and I would break it down and I would build it up and I would break it down. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I, I didn't come into, uh, when I got sober, there was just like a lot to deal with. And so I didn't have the best self-esteem and I had a lot of privilege and I did a lot of work. So I could, I could see that there was a difference between, I could see why I thought that my worth was outside of me. Got it. Yep. Right. Yep. Cause I didn't feel like I had a lot of inherent self-worth and I had spent a life proving that point. And so for me, what I had to realize, and I continue to realize this is like, look, I'm a heavily traumatized person. I have ADD. I have depression. I'm on three or four kinds of psychiatric medication. It's hard for me to show up on time naturally. It's hard for me to remember things naturally, but I figured it out. And the way I figured it out was having some mercy on myself by saying mm. like, look, like, like if I'm not going to be the kind of person that's going to show up all the time naturally, then what systems do I need to put in place so that I show up? And what kind of people do I need to put around me and give them the agency to hold me responsible so I can show up. Yeah. But I just had to, I had to understand that like, just like everybody else, I have strengths and I have weaknesses. And instead of like doing what we're taught in school is to bring the weaknesses up to my strengths. I just lean into my strengths and yeah. I try to create a business that like, didn't, I, I couldn't survive, man. Yeah. You know, I could only, I'm, I got sharp edges. I'm good at some things and I suck at other ones. <laughs> and so for me, and I had some privilege, so I was able to get help, but like, that's what's up. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. Like, so for me, what, where the constant work that I'm doing is try, trying to be current with who I am in my life. Yeah. Like what I, you know, and I struggle with that and, and, and that has an impact on the world around me. And so my constant work is like, is remembering like, I'm really good at what I do and I'm lucky to get to do it. And my people, like my clients over and over again, they prove that to me when they get the results. Mm. And I want the same thing for them. You know, I need Kai and Dart as a consistent reminder that like, I can do this. Yeah. And I want that same thing at a deep level. I want that for my clients. I want them to discover their, their uniqueness and the, and the power they have to really cause and make a difference in the world is, you know, when they start to make the business about, them and stop trying to be what they're not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 That's it. Or to be what somebody mm -hmm. else expects. I mean, <laughs> one of my favorite words from Jesus was love your neighbor as yourself. And the problem that we so many times miss is we go love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. That's not what he said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so many times where I find if I get stuck, it's because I don't love me. I don't accept mm -hmm. me for who I am. And that's what I hear you saying 
inside of that, which is so powerful. It starts right here. Yeah. I, I practice Judaism. I'm a, what they call a righteous Gentile. My wife's a Jew. I am not Jewish, but I practice Judaism. And one of the things a rabbi says is, um, you know, that Hashem puts a spark of godliness inside each and every single one of us. Mm. And, and that is, and that spark within is incorruptible. Mm. So no matter what I do, or no matter what you do, or no matter what anybody does or what actions I take, there is inside of us that, that part that is Hashem. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and so, and so when I am, well, you know, one, you know, we, there's some similarities. Y'all came, you know, like Jesus was a Jew. So we're good. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, you know, we may have different opinions on, on other stuff than that, but we do know that Jesus was a Jew, right? So absolutely. Yeah, no, no, there. yeah, 100%. No there. So, so like, so, so when I really like at a deep level, Eric, I can't believe you got me here. Like I've never gotten here in like a public forum. Really what's happening, man, is like when we start to run a business based on what we care about, Yep. And the difference we want to make and where we're, and we start focusing on where we're great and stop focusing on what we're not great. We're honoring the beauty of our own creation. Like yeah. God, Hashem does not make pieces of poop. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And no, so, absolutely. For, for, so at a deep level, that's what's going on in our work. You know, it's like um, personal transformation, thinly veiled as business strategy, but you know what? It works in both ways. Well, I'm going to say right, so, it in a different way. Yeah. You can yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, see yeah, where this goes, but God is a creator. He created us to create. So we're never more connected or like God than when we're in business and creating every single one of right. us. Right. And I think, yeah, I mean, other than when women have children, then they're because they're closer than I am. And will ever be, <laughs> right? Because, because that's a, that's a whole like, different level of creation. But right. But it, I agree with you. And when we look at that spark within, we just have a tendency in this culture, right, to think that that um, that that if something's good, uh, it's because someone else did it, and if something's bad, it's because I did it. And mm. what I had to learn, and what our work shows people, is like, look, like you didn't choose what you care about, yeah. and you didn't choose what you're great at, and both things, what you care about and what you don't care about, and what you're great at and what you aren't great at all those are clues mm. to how you could to, to how you can be most effective in serving others which regardless of how corporations have hijacked the narrative that you and i both know yep. is the key to success in business and all business is is a tool for contribution the narrative has been hijacked by these large corporations and and, and that kind of like what I, you know all that stuff none of us like but really at this level this is about helping people. And for me, business is about finding a way to help people where I'm most effective. And in order to do that, I got to know where, I, where I'm great and where I'm not so great. Well, the other thing me. I love about what you're doing, and I don't know what you're seeing, you have kids? Yeah, I have uh, five adopted children and four of them are asylum seekers from Honduras. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. How yeah. old? Um, so six. Okay. 10. Okay. 15. All right. 20 and 23. Okay. So this is where I'm going with this. So I have a 20, soon to be 21 year old and an 18 year old, but I have a lot of conversations about business with my 20 year old. And he teaches me so much because yeah. you see a lot of the, and I don't know if you're seeing this from, I don't know when you adopted them and, and how long they've been with you and you've been able to cut and you've even got the, the refugee experience their view on this, but he gets so frustrated with just business and the world and a lot of what we see from corporate America. 
and then turns around and looks at his own father, who is a business owner. And so you get some transference of this mindset or you know, this way of thinking. And it's the ability in the place of having conversations about, no, the business is a mechanism to make it what we want it to be, to yeah. make it into the thing. Business doesn't define who we are. And just because somebody else has screwed up the narrative out in the public doesn't mean Dude, we yeah. have to screw it up in the way that we run it. No. And honestly, like that's the key to success. Yeah. Is to get that, like, look, like they got here before we did. And there's this, and whether it's intentional or not, which I'm not sure on, you know, like corporations control the narrative for business and they're not, and what works for them ain't going to work for me. Yep. And that's, and so in here, and so then what's going to work. And I think, you know, and the other thing is, man, like it's pretty bad. And if we look at history, we know that like it's been pretty bad. Yeah. But guys like Zig Ziglar existed in the 70s, which is like a miracle. And he was like, you know, just take care of people and they'll take care of you. Yeah. And so for me, like what I look at, I think for folks like you and I and your son, which I appreciate that generation, I think they're smarter than we'll ever be because they have had access to all the information for as long and they know how to discern. Yeah. Yeah. And I get why like some people are scared of like these folks because, you know, they're like another level. Right. You know, my son is like Edwin, the oldest. He's been with me for five years. He started working full time when he was uh, 10 years old mm. in construction. You know, he he knows the world in a way that I don't know it, you know. And so I do value his wisdom. Um, he's also fixing to go to college on a full ride to, for like um, aeronautical engineering or something. Oh, so wow. that guy like I got like walked here from Honduras and now he's going to make spaceships. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. So congratulations. So, so yeah, good for him. So I think for me, man, yeah, I forget what were we talking about. <laughs> you got me thinking about my son. He just graduated. He's talking about the next generation, but also just oh yeah, yeah. You're so so right. Motivation. So you like here's my experience. So for people that don't come from money, or that you know, like oh, no, don't get me wrong, Eric. I prefer the presence of money to its absence. True, but I'm not gonna get up for money. Well, let me say this: I if I have to get up for money. It's because I needed to survive. Yeah. Right. And so, and I think for entrepreneurs like you and I, that's where that, you know, that we're talking about like that break point is, is, you know, once our business has reached this point where, you know, our financial needs are somewhat satisfied, like, you know, we're, we're paying our own way and we're able to pay back the debt of the past. You know, we stop growing because we're very good at making ends meet. We're not motivated by money. So, and when we do that, we get this like flattening of the curve. So what I learned really early on at Kite and Dart is we had to start looking for a different motive. Mm. It's not profit motive, contribution motive. Yeah. And contribution motive works because it, it produces eternal transformation, right? Because yeah, it does. If, I, yep. <clears throat> if I'm committed to like sharpening the steel, like to getting better at what I do every day over and over again, I am never going to quit showing up to work. Yeah. Because that's what drives me. You know, the results that my clients produce, that's what drives me. And how to, and right now in this season of my business is like, how do I make my work more accessible? I love that. <laughs> yep. How do I make it less expensive? How do I make it easier for people to learn? How do I, you know, like that's the game I'm playing now. And I'm blessed that I got to that point. That is so fantastic. That is so fantastic. I love what you're doing. I love your story. I, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to make sure you get to share? Man, I can't remember anything anyway. So we're good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I think, Eric, you're, like I said in the beginning, like you're really good 
at what you do. And I want to acknowledge you for something. And I know your listeners get this, but I want to acknowledge you for the way that you came to this conversation without an agenda. Mm. Like the, and I imagine that when you work with clients, there's a way that you listen to them and there's a way you pay attention that makes what you say very relevant to them. And it shows up here. So if you're listening, y'all like notice how Eric, you know, played and danced with me in this interview and then try on that that's incredibly beneficial to you and your business. And I see you over there, Eric. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Nate. Most people are not that way. Most people are not that way. I appreciate you. Well, no, I, I appreciate you, but I also appreciate that you've got a story to tell and you have redefined success from the rest of the way that the world tells success. And my job is to tell you, my job in the 30 to 40 minutes that I have you is to help you tell your story. So thank you. Thank you for being authentic and being real. Cause you could have just sat here and answered yes and no questions. So thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know, what I'm good at, man, I was talking. Yeah. So I, I, I have, a, I have a, a, a new PA she's amazing. Carrie's her name. And I say, Carrie, how can we make it? So all I do is talk. She's like, we're going to figure it out. <laughs> I can't I believe it. it's over hey, dude, already. That went I so did, fast. Thank you, Eric. I, I had one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. It, yeah. But do you know who Simon Sinek is? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have not read his book, it came out about a year and a, it came out right before COVID, I think. A book called yeah. The Infinite Game. Have you read this? No, I read it. What is it? Find Your Why? I read yep, that one. Yep, no, that one's fantastic. But I would encourage you to read it only because everything you and I are talking about, it was some things that he said inside of there. And he was talking about corporate culture and things like that. But he's like, what really landed with me that I think you'll, you'll love. And I, again, I share this with you. But he says inside that book, there are two ways to live life and run your business. One is to run it as if there's a finish line and whether or not you're going to win. The second one is to run it as a relay race, understanding that you are simply a person in the middle of the relay. And your job is to take the baton and pass the baton. Yeah, man. To the next generation. Yeah, and man. When like, you yep. live an infinite game life, it's a game changer, but completely rewarding. Absolutely. And it, and it, and it, and you know, I'll tell you a secret. It happens to be a much better way to run a business. Like you're going to make more. I mean, like I'll tell people like what I, where I come from, I get like can sound woo or a little bit like, you know, like spirit, whatever, you know, but honestly, like, like pragmatically what I'm talking about is the best way to work less and make more money. Absolutely. Uh, it's, and it's in that discovery that, so you asked me earlier, like what, so that discovery was what really changed me. I was sitting at my desk, like COVID rocked us, Eric, you know, like I was doing 12 month strategy and consulting packages and like building these really elegant, you know, individualized, like business development plans based on what people are great at and the source commitments and all this. And then, you know, when COVID hit people, were not going to buy a 12 month coaching package. Um, and we pivoted, you know, I had a business partner, I have a business partner, Karen Bartlett, who like saved our business. And, uh, you know, about a year ago, I was sitting at my desk and I just, I, this feeling came upon me and I said, you know, I'm going to die doing this work. Mm. I am going to die doing this work. This is, and I was like, what a blessing. So really, yeah. that's what I want for my people, you know, is like, what is a job? Like, what is a business that you would like that it couldn't, can, let's build the one they can't tear you away from. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I told you this was coming. 
-hmm. in three generations, what do you hope your great grandchildren remember about you? So that I was part of a conversation for transforming our awareness as, as a humanity of what business and life is for Mm. that I was, that they can look back and say, you know, my grandfather was there when we used to think that it was okay for like people to have billions of dollars while other people were starving. Um, and, and that he was part of the conversation for transforming our, our narrative as a species from survival to contribution. And I would love that, you know, that would be, that would be the best thing. That's fantastic. I love that. Thanks, man. I love that. Thank you, sir. Nate, if people want to get in touch with you, want to follow you, want to know more about what's going on, you had mentioned, and I didn't even bring this up, you have a nonprofit that you were wanting to talk about, and I didn't, I totally missed it. So show that off. Yeah, I got a nonprofit called Promise Tomorrow, um, and it's designed to address the mental, the issue of mental health in the music industry, both in performers and art, and also in listeners. You know, the average musician will live 20 years less than a mm. normal person in this culture. Um, and we've, ex- and I've lost, you know, over 15 friends to accidental deaths and suicides since I got sober. And so promise tomorrow is a way for me to say, look, like it's the stories that, you know, the way that we were raised to believe that like that just happened. Nah, man, that doesn't just happen. Like, like artists and musicians are exploited so that record companies can make a lot of money. And like, we've got to change the way that it works. And we have to, uh, instead of this conversation for prohibition and all this stuff, we need to have a realistic idea about like how our minds work and how our brains work and how we can have good mental health. Mm. So you can learn about that at www.promisetomorrow.org. That's that's been wonderful. Um, If people want to get a hold of me, they can email me, mate, M-A-T-E at kite kite dart.com kite like you fly dart like you throw or people can just come to the website www.kitedart.com or www.kiteanddartgroup.com i'd love to hear from people i promise like if people email me i just love to talk yeah yeah cool yep. thank you nate thank Eric, you thank for you. being here thank you for the thanks work for that me, you're man. doing thank you for your you passion too, man Thanks for working so hard to build this audience and just let me show up and talk to them. I appreciate you. (laughs) I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. Um, It has been such a fun time. Such a fun time. I will be here again next week. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content 
adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.